It's kind of funny. One of the things I say to people is um, you need three of anything to make or two of anything to make something happen out of these three things, time, money, or motivation, right? If you have a lot of time and a lot of motivation, you can get it done. If you don't have a lot of time, but you got a lot of money and motivation, you can get it done. So it's, it's just a matter of balancing those things out and, and making stuff happen. But, um, you know, masters of our own destiny, if you will. Welcome back to Going Deep with Aaron Watson. My guest today is Chris Anderson. He is the founder and chief technical officer for Inateskis. Inateskis is a machine learning and computer vision company that was spun out of ChemImage. ChemImage is a more than 25-year-old company in the city of Pittsburgh that has been phenomenally successful and is now spinning out their software platform to be used by other firms. This is very reminiscent to me of the interview that we did with Idelic that was spinning safety software out of the local Pitt, Ohio logistics company. Chris talks a little bit about computer vision, machine learning, and the importance of putting high quality data in and the way that they've thought about spinning this company out of a larger corporation. I learned a lot, you will as well. Here is Chris Anderson. You're listening to Going Deep with Aaron Watson. Well, Chris, thanks for coming on the podcast, man. I'm excited to be talking with you. Yeah, I'm excited to be here, Aaron. Thank you very much. So I, well, first I was practicing the correct pronunciation of your company name, Inateskis. That's correct. Uh, but, but let's start off with uh, what your firm does and the space that it occupies generally, you know, machine learning AI is just such a big like buzzword everywhere. Computer vision starts to narrow it, but maybe you can narrow it a little bit more into where you guys are operating. Sure. So we come from a background of having uh, imaging expertise and um, we wanted to stay laser focused on imaging and the computer vision aspects of people trying to apply modern machine learning AI techniques to their data to help answer questions. And Inateskis is uh, roughly uh, from Latin and it means we make known and it's we in the collaborative sense. So it's we wanted to build um, a collaborative process that was iterative around machine learning and really support the demystifying of the data um, and turning the data into something that was actionable and that you could use to build these algorithms upon. And as I was looking at just some of the the application of it, it, it seems, and, and I've heard different examples of this from, you know, companies we've talked in the past and just, you know, talking with other technologists that, you know, you can shovel tons and tons and tons and tons of data into something, but if it's not clean, if it's not legible, then it doesn't matter how good of an algorithm you've built. It doesn't matter how much computing power you have. The legibility of that data is really kind of the, the genesis point of anything good happening after the fact. So, so that seems like, like where you're kind of playing. Is that relatively accurate? Absolutely. Um, you know, it's the old adage, garbage in is garbage out, right? And, um, you know, making sense of the data, cleaning it, that's not necessarily the fun part of the job. Um, you know, people like to build the machine learning and the algorithms and do the math. And so there, but there's a lot of laborious kind of work there, um, which is making sense, wrangling the data, getting it into a fashion that a machine can read it and ultimately making sense or, or ground truthing the information, what's right, what's wrong, um, that, that really supports it. You know, we live in a world where 
we have all these streams of data flowing in into large data lakes. Um, but what would, what do you do with that data? How do you make it actionable? And it's through that process of understanding what's there, kind of demystifying and unraveling it and understanding it in a, in a holistic sense, um, you, you know, you can build better solutions sooner. You can just think of a small example. There's a huge problem within biases within data sets that exist today. Um, you know, too many apples, not enough oranges, or there are strange statistical anomalies that I need to be aware of um, that are going to help me guide um, potential decision-making process downstream that will help me get to um, a solution more quickly with less trial and error. And can you talk about the business model that underpins bringing a service like this to market? Because uh, the audience will be familiar with uh, software as a service, particularly you know, B2B SaaS. And often the, the point of interaction for the average person is maybe, you know, I use a, a project management software or that's, you know, on a, on a per seat basis, how many people are using the software or something like uh, QuickBooks where maybe there's like a flat fee and then payment processing or, or, or something like that. How does a business model for this type of SaaS solution work? Well, I mean, we're tempting to be much like a B2B uh, SaaS software business where it is by seat and we have various um, tiers um, by which you can unlock different access, whether that be additional storage or more labels or, or different kind of aspects um, about that. And that's really how we kind of plan it because we want to be like that project management tool, um, but for these computer vision and data science teams um, that will find value. We find that everybody kind of needs a tool like this in this space. If you're doing supervised learning, a lot of people build it internally. Some people cobble together different things. And there's a variety of platforms now out there that can offer this. We believe we're treating it as a kind of a larger holistic process as well from your data collection. You know, once the data gets collected and ingested into the system, all the way from exporting out for your model training. Gotcha. And, and so another reason that you can take a larger view like that is the fact that this is a company in Ateskis that's being spun out of another company, ChemImage, uh, which was founded back in 1994. And as you can tell from the name, ChemImage uh, is focused on the imaging around uh, different molecular chemical processes. I'm sure you can do a better expla uh, explanation of what ChemImage is. Sure. Uh, and then maybe talk a little bit about how the experience that you've had there over the last 20 plus years is informing the moves you're making within in Ateskis? Sure. So at um, ChemImage, uh, you know, we were doing a lot of what's called hyperspectral and multispectral imaging. And effectively, we have an electro-optical device. Uh, it's a filter. Um, allows us to look at very specific wavelengths or frequencies of light. And, you know, by tuning the filter and collecting an image and tuning the filter and collecting an image and building up a stack, um, not only have we captured a lot of the information that you would normally get in a picture, a car looks like a car, person looks like a person, but we have this other dimension of information being the spectroscopy, the information about the chemistries within the scene. So applying kind of mathematical models and a modern computer vision and machine learning, you're able to coax the signals out and provide that information on top of um, the imagery. So you can, you know, an, another dimension of information related to that. You can see, you know, we worked a lot in the past related to detecting hazards in the environment and, and various material, materials that could be present. And we were always trying to push the limits of what was possible with not only our application, but just in general of how we can help our customers, you know, better answer 
the problems that they were having as well as build solutions that, that really were effective. And a big part of that is um, computer vision and uh, machine learning, AI, um, math. And um, you know, basically we were building a lot of tools as a software development team, not only for our customers, but also the internal algorithm scientists so that they could make sense of the data, understand the data, prep the data in a way that would support the types of things that the algorithm science teams wanted to do with that data. And that's really kind of where Inateskis uh, was founded is bringing those concepts of what we were doing internally and could we make that more applicable to um, a larger audience? And to use a metaphor that you know folks might be more familiar with is a company like Amazon that started building these huge server farms for their e-commerce platform realized, man, there's going to be a lot of people that need uh, this kind of uh, access to computing that can be ramped up, ramped down, create AWS, which is now more profitable and, and arguably one of the strongest elements of the Amazon business, but is so much more broadly applicable for B2B solutions, where it's not just a solutions for an e-commerce platform. You're basically saying this computer vision can be like, like there's almost no bounds to like the application for computer vision. It could be used. Uh, we, we know it's used in self-driving autonomous vehicles. We could see it as, you know, all sorts of different uh, larger platforms that get built out in the future where it's reliant upon or incumbent upon a computer software being able to make sense of an image that's looking at Absolutely. And, you know, it, it always amazed me the diversity in the applications that we've um, seen by the folks that we've talked to, whether it be at ChemImage, where we're, you know, we're trying to make sense of things we're seeing in a, in a life science sense, um, whether it be within the body in a surgical arena, um, to other organizations, um, you know, robotics companies looking to understand the scenes better, um, scientific organizations trying to classify species of animals. Um, from various uh, footage of things, um, all the way to you know startups attempting to do new things that um, I, you know, computer vision for that. Um, so it, it's pretty exciting to see, and I think that's what amazes me. And it's it's even more exciting that we have the ability to kind of support and help those teams um, get to what they do best. Right, that it's that algorithm development, it's that computer vision application and spend less time having to wrangle the data, manage the data, and, and how are we going to ground truth this? How are we going to annotate it in a way that's going to be useful to me when I want to go use it in whatever solution I'm, I'm using downstream? Yeah. So, so one thing we love to kind of explore on this show, we have a lot of entrepreneurs, we have a lot of executives on, and there's so many different paths to finding yourself in that position. There's some people that they just have this itch that they can't, you know, they needed to scratch and they, they just can't focus on anything other than a certain problem. There's folks that, you know, are, are developing skills through a, a number of different experiences. Um, and then, you know, whether it's going and starting your own thing or acquiring a company and, you know, helping it to evolve, there's so many different paths into um, a position where you have this real autonomy and, and, and with that, a lot of responsibility for the outcomes that happen here. Um, can you tell a little bit of your story from, you know, joining ChemImage back in 1999 as an intern to today being the leader of this company that's spun out of a now, you know, I, I don't even know how many employees ChemImage has. How did, how did you position yourself and, and work towards being in the position you are now? 
Sure. Well, I mean, if you would have asked me in 1999, would I be having a computer vision and uh, machine learning um, organization building tools? Probably not. It was not on my radar. Um, ChemImage was always a good place for me. It was a good environment, uh, fast paced, a lot of very smart, innovative people. Um, and I, I was fortunate enough to be part of that as it grew over the years. I always like to tell people the Star Trek factor and some of the things I got to do uh, was, was really high and um, you know, it was exciting. And as a, a bit of a science nerd myself and uh, kind of into those things, it always piqued my interest and definitely kept me there. Um, you know, ultimately, um, being a source of innovation and around so many innovative people, you always have ideas and you're trying to help. And, you know, I, I didn't, could truly say that I really didn't understand hyperspectral imaging when I first started there. And um, today, you know, I, I have a pretty good understanding of the capabilities and, and the technologies and the people around me that really helped me get to that point. And having an organization like that, that can really um, help foster innovation and kind of new thinking and um, you know, enabled me to get to where we are today um, in, in bringing forth this idea um, of how we could make these types of tools, which we found valuable internally and, and, and expand, um, you know, what we had to offer to a larger audience. And I know that sometimes stuff like this won't necessarily be um, pretty for, for public consumption, but what's always interesting about models like this, where a company is being spun out of another is the way that incentives might be structured, the way that governance might be structured, because you want to, to some degree, have autonomy just so that the team can move quickly, can be decisive, um, that, that the team itself can feel empowered. And then at the same time, there's, there's large, you know, incumbent, corporate goals and, and, you know, an investment being made that does preclude some, some form of control to potentially be wrangled from executives from the, the legacy uh, chem image company. So can you talk a little bit about like, just even how a spin out happens, how you negotiated and talked through the structure that Inateskis has taken to hopefully everyone is, you know, uh, optimizing for the greatest likelihood of success. Yeah, absolutely. And again, it starts with some trust and, uh, you know, a historical track record of being able to deliver on the things we say we're going to do and just having those conversations with, um, you know, our board and uh, executives within ChemImage. Um, you know, it is, we are still intertwined um, and it, we probably will be for some time. And that's not a bad thing, in my opinion. I think it does help um, keep us focused and accountable, um, but you know, also realizing that we do need a fair amount of autonomy to be able to achieve our goals, move quickly, especially in the space that's changing, changing very quickly every day. And you know, we wanna be able to um, execute on our plans and be able to deliver on that. So by you know, working internally um, with the cast of characters involved, we've been able to come up with something that I think will be workable with everybody in the end. And I'm, if I'm pushing too hard, you can just help me. But does, does it basically turn this transition from ChemImage being like maybe the owner to the customer to some degree? Like you're trying to almost like treat them like a customer, not just in like the line item on your books, but in the like way that you're building a customer service arm, building a biz development arm. Like, can you talk a little bit about that? 
Sure. Well, we still have a lot of shared services with the parent organization right now. So, you know, as we work through all those things, we always intended Cutmage to be a customer. I mean, we built this platform based upon our experiences and learnings of things that we're doing. And, you know, they have access to it today and, and are using it for some of their internal initiatives as well. Um, you know, we will always um, support them as, you know, the people that really helped enable us um, become an Ateskis. Um that said, yeah, you know, we're trying to also um, move forward in a variety of things and, and we just got to move quickly. And it's nice to have that support and infrastructure and belief and um, from the folks uh, upstairs to, to really know that we're, we're going to execute and do the things that we're say we're going to do. Right on. Another thing that's always interesting to me, and, and we kind of come to this in different ways, but it's, but it's particularly poignant for uh, technical founders like yourself, where you were coming in and you were having the Star Trek experience of building cool stuff, learning so much about uh, the software and hardware involved in these type of processes. And when you are now the uh, executive, there is an obligation to also be responsible for the sales and the biz dev of this thing eventually growing. Um, but that being said, if we're talking about machine learning uh, models and algorithms, you know, I, I wouldn't be qualified to go do that type of sale because I just don't understand even the basic lingo, let alone the real nuance to why this solution might be um, preferable or stronger than another. So can you talk about how you're building that part of this business, given that it's clear that you have the expertise and the know-how and the background in the technical side? Sure. Um, so, you know, that's a new area for me as well. And I think it really comes down to as all founders, we have to work our network, right? And so I've been fortunate enough, having been at a science organization for over 20 years to make the number of connections and people have crossed my paths over the years that always built up a nice, um, um, you know, uh, in Rolodex, if you will, of, of people um, who would find this useful. Um so, you know, that's always where you go to start. But, um, you know, we're building out our team internally. Uh, we're bringing on additional staff um, in order to support that. Uh, we have some recent people that have come on board to, to really do a lot of the outreach. And um, we've done a lot of customer discovery and just getting people to know who we are. And that's really the direction that we're heading right now is, you know, building that awareness of Inateskis, our capabilities, and really how we can help people out there. Would it be a prerequisite for a sales hire that they would have that technical acumen? Is that, do you think that that's teachable? How would you think about that? Well, I mean, I, I'm, I, I learned it. Um, you know what I mean? And over time, I think anybody is teachable. Um, so yeah, I mean, I don't think you necessarily have to know how to do all the math, um, but it, it would be nice to have kind of a general idea of some of the reasons why and how, but um, a, a lot of it is pretty, pretty self, I don't know, it's straightforward. You know, when you really get to know it, it sounds kind of scary, um, but as you get to understand and know the applications and why, I think it becomes a much more common sense and straightforward. And so um, taking it to all these great, you, you referenced earlier in this interview, like, oh, computer vision for that, I hadn't even thought of that. Can you just talk through a little bit as someone who is there like, really, you know, seeing where the technology is now and probably has a pretty clear eyed view of where that's going in the future. What are some of the applications that, you know, the average person might not necessarily be appreciating or considering that you can kind of see the actual, you know, guidelines to where that would be in the near future? Sure. Um, you know, just identifying various anatomical structures within a body um, from um, maybe some particular surgical arena, right? Um, you could think of 
Um, I think I used this earlier, the classification of species from underwater submersible data. Um, you know, brand placement um, at various sporting events. Um, these, you know, these oh, are things that I, I, I wouldn't even have fathomed. Um, we also know there's a lot in um, defects, um, manufacturing lines. There's a particular defect in something. Can we build an algorithm to, to identify that defect um, without having to get the engineer who may not be in the same silo? Um, a lot of research, right? I mean, you can just think about all the things that happen um, at local universities like Carnegie Mellon here in town where teams are trying to do these things and, and need the data. So it, it's just interesting to see the diversity in the applications. And it seems like there's always a new one popping up on our radar all the time. And, uh, you know, always excited to be about what people are doing uh, out there um, with these types of solutions. Right on. Well, Chris, you've answered all, all my questions pretty pretty darn thoroughly here. Anything else that you were hoping to just share about Inateskis, uh that we didn't give you a chance to, that people need to know about the company? Sure. We're really excited. Um, our team's growing, and uh, we're really excited to kind of let people know who we are and, um, you know, kind of get socialized with the platform and, um, you know, folks that um, find a value in that and understanding their data, um, I think they'll get it and, you uh, yeah, I, I, it's a pleasure to be able to have an opportunity to speak with you today. Right on. Uh, well, I want people to check out uh, Inateskis and uh, all the digital coordinates associated with you and what you guys are doing. Uh, where can we point people, Chris? Sure, Inateskis.io, um, as well as you can look us up on LinkedIn. Uh, we have an active presence there, and those are probably the two best um, places uh, to get a hold of us. Um, if you want to reach out and have a conversation, uh, sign up for a beta or, or take a look at a demo, we, we have all that available for you or um, just reach out and uh, want to talk uh, computer vision, machine learning. That's what I'm here for. Right on. All that's going to be linked at the show notes, goingdeepwithaaron.com slash podcast for every single episode of the show is where to find it or in the app where you're probably listening to it right now. Uh, before I let you go, Chris, I want to give you the mic one final time to issue an actionable personal challenge to the audience. Sure. You know, one thing I've always tried to live my life by is every day you should learn something new. Um, doesn't matter whether it's a, a new song from a band you've never heard of, or maybe a, a new formula or algorithm that may be potentially out there. Read a paper, um, you know, learn something new every day. Take a half hour out of the day to, to teach yourself something new. And it's funny how even going somewhere super orthogonal, like, you know, you're not necessarily a professional chef, but learning a new recipe or doing something like that, you're still stimulating the creative juices or the meta pattern of being able to learn something new. And that, you know, contributes in all sorts of different ways. Absolutely. And, and you know what, it's just, it's a good feeling inside. For sure. What's something new uh, lately that you've been sinking your teeth into? Um, <laughs> I've actually, um, become an amateur radio operator. So that's kind of been a new coronavirus thing, uh, that I got myself into. Um, yeah. So it's been, what, been fun, been exciting. What, what, how's that work? Tell me about it. Um, well, you know, uh, you, you take a test and you can, uh, operate on some radio frequencies. I do a lot of, um, digital modes. So this is interfacing a computer with a radio and being able to do things, um, um, by contacting stations out there. Uh, I've contacted actually out of my backyard um, with under 50 watts. I've contacted New Zealand, South Africa, 
um, Europe, uh, a, a lot of places in South America. So it just, it, it, for me, it, it's exciting to see where that signal goes, like who can hear you, um, you know, and, and get a response back, hopefully. Yeah, it reminds me something I'm challenging myself to do is to memorize all the countries on the globe. Because uh, I was feeling like I was either like reading history or reading some sort of like geopolitical event, um, like the, you know, the recent coup in Myanmar. I sure. otherwise would not have known, like I wouldn't have been able to like connect that to any other thing. Um, so I'm trying to learn the globe. And then I feel like I can kind of layer on the histories and the stories and the different uh, stuff there. So that's, uh, that's pretty cool. It's like the other side of the, the planet. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, kind of neat to see. So right on. Um, well, Chris, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and sharing some time with us today. Appreciate absolutely. It. I appreciate it. Thank you very much for having me, Aaron, and um, have a great day. We just went deep with Chris Anderson. Hope we're not there. It's a wonderful day. Hey, thank you so much for listening to the end of my interview with Chris. If you want to hear another interview with a software company that has been successfully spun out of a larger successful firm, check out our past conversation with Idelic that has spun a safety software platform out of the Pitt, Ohio trucking company. This is another model that you could pursue if you're looking to do something entrepreneurial with a lot of lessons embedded in both interviews. Thanks for listening and we'll catch you next week. Thanks for listening. Connect with Aaron on Twitter and Instagram at AaronWatson59.